Welcome to the Adoption Chat. I'm Leah and I'm a birth mom. And I'm Mallory. I am a partial adoptee. The Adoption Chat is a place where you will find real stories, tools, and education to help you navigate your own adoption experience no matter what side of the triad you sit on. We are here to challenge and equip you to walk this lifetime journey well. We believe that all sides of the triad have great insight to share and we are here to chat about it. Welcome back everyone to another chat about adoption. I'm Leah and I'm one of the co-founders of Woven Together. I'm Mallory and I'm the other co-founder of Woven Together. Today we have an amazing mama who will be joining us sharing her story about foster care and adoption. Welcome Kate. Thank you so much for having me ladies. Well we are super excited to hear your story. I'm excited to get to know you more. You have so much insight to give from your experience, and we wondered if you would share a little bit first about who you are before we dig deeper. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously my name is Kate. Uh, I live in Ontario, Canada. I'm married with four children, but the fourth um, comes and goes. We have two biological daughters, an adopted daughter, and then we have been foster parents for five years. So we've had 10 kiddos come through our home through that time. And I had a hobby, beauty mommy blog to start when I first became a mom and the Lord just really laid it on my heart uh, that if I was going to be spending time blogging that it needed to be uh, about something a little more important and just through seeing the lack of information out there for foster parents when I started the process um, I just started kind of blogging about that and I have a YouTube channel where I talk all about that and I just really wanted a place for connection and support, which is why I love what you guys do so much because you bring the triad together and it's just uh, such a beautiful thing because adoption is so nuanced and there's so many sides and it's just great what everybody is on, uh, sees things from from each other's perspective. So that's kind of where my blog was born from. Um, And yeah, we have... uh, are going through a bit of a hard time right now because we are saying goodbye to our foster son, but uh, I won't talk about that too much. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me and kind of where I started um, blogging and just sharing content online about adoption. Yeah, I saw on your blog where you made a post about getting too attached. And I know that's kind of a, a phrase that you hear when people talk about, oh, I can't foster, I can't foster I'll get too attached. And you hear that all the time. And I love what you shared there. I know we talk about foster care a little bit, but our demographic's a little bit more um, domestic adoption. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would love to hear how you and your husband first decided how you wanted to grow your family. Yeah, so actually it kind of starts as a, my story starts as a young child. I actually grew up beside a foster home. So very early, uh, I was aware of the fact that other people had to take care of children that did not come from their own womb. Um, And it was just kind of something that was on my radar from a very young age. And I just kind of saw that in my future when I dreamt about being a mom, I knew um, that it would be a different way that we would grow our family. Um, We have gotten to foster care because we wanted to adopt and foster to adopt can be a little bit of a controversial term. um, And I'll get into that a little bit more in a bit, but, Anyways, we went on a missions trip when I was 19, was my first missions trip to Nicaragua, and uh, I did some work in some orphanages, and God really planted the seed in my heart then that adoption for sure would be a part of our story. So my husband and I were teenagers when we met, um, and we talked about it even before we were married, that adoption would be part of our story, and 
we had someone very close to us at the time, you know, in our dating period and engagement period who was struggling with infertility. And I just remember thinking like, if that was going to be our story, you know, that really wouldn't matter to me because I just saw so many children in the world who needed families. Um, and we just knew we wanted to be that for, for some of these kids. So that's kind of how it started. We just knew that we wouldn't just try biologically to have children that we kind of wanted to have a little bit of a blended family and just to see how God would grow our family. Awesome. I love when God can make that vision so clear <laughs> and like, you know, where you're heading and it'll unfold as it, as it comes. So, um, can you share your journey through adoption and what that has looked like for your family? Absolutely. So I, like I said, um, we got into foster care, not with the intent to adopt, but when you look at the statistics, the, the object of foster care is always to reunify with family. And it's beautiful and wonderful and just amazing when that redemption story can happen and you can see families be restored. But, you know, statistically showing that that just that's not always the case. And there is so many kids that end up just sitting in the system, aging out of the system. So we chose foster to adopt. And like I said earlier, it is a bit of a controversial term depending on who you talk to, but we looked at it as minimizing trauma for the child that would be in our care. So they wouldn't have to move from, you know, be removed from birth family to go to, into, into a foster family and then to go to an adoptive family. Um, we could be with them through that court process. And we looked at it as a way to support, you know, help these families get their kids back and show them that we're on their side. Um, it was really something that we felt God calling us to do. And initially we thought we would go um, do international adoption. But when we started researching that, just there was a lot of unethical agencies and just a lot of, you know, cross-cultural differences that just didn't feel right in our heart at the time. Um, so that's why we chose Foster to Adopt. And... In saying that, our daughter Rosie was our eighth foster placement, um, about three years into fostering. And we had her since she was 36 hours old and we adopted her after many, many twists and turns uh, at two and a half. And uh, we were supposed to be adopting her when she was about 15 months old. And uh, last minute there was a technically kin, but not blood relation, but just the way the court system works, that meant they had more rights to her than us. Um, we were blindsided. Our adoption home study was done completely. We were expecting to walk into court with our um, the parental rights terminated and then we could move forward with the adoption. And this uh, person just kind of wanted to meddle and didn't really actually want to adopt her. But, you know, they don't realize that that's our lives being affected on the other side of it. So it was a really... Um, hard process to adopt her, but God really, really grew me and sanctified me as a mother for sure. And, you know, just really taught me about surrender and that all these children are his anyway. So, you know, in saying that, she is the absolute light of her life. And, you know, our whole family is just better off because she's in it. And, you know, there's been times along the way that it's been really, really difficult. And I'm sure there's ways that I'm screwing up. <laughs> you know, I try to educate myself and learn what I, the best that I can to help her, you know, to, and to for help myself to be the best adoptive mom that I can. But yeah, it's, um, it's definitely been a journey. And we don't uh, know if we're done adopting, we would still like to adopt more in the future. But, um, you know, we'll see what God has for our family. So I'm interested to hear is the foster care system in Canada, where you are, similar to the foster care system here in the United States? Yeah, it's pretty similar. I mean, there's some differences, but even from state to state and province to province here, there's differences in how things function. But um, overall, yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, I always wondered that. 
So that's, that's good for our listeners to be able to kind of understand that there's a lot of similarities when they're listening to this. So do you have any openness with the biological families of either the children that are in your home through foster care and then end up reunifying or the children that you've also adopted? Yeah, so we do have some openness with some of the families. Like I said, we've had 10 kids come through our home. So uh, there's one little girl in particular. We're very close to her and her mom. She reunified with her mom and uh, we're like an aunt and uncle to her. She comes on family vacations with us and sleepovers and um, we're very, very close to her. And her mom had asked us to adopt her if she, you know, couldn't get things together to get her back. So we have a, a very special bond with that little girl in particular. Um, a lot of our other kids, they're started off with some relationship, but, uh, I find a lot of times the parents want to forget that their kids were in foster care and, um, just slowly the relationship faded, uh, with our adopted daughter, sadly, there is no openness, um, but that's not for a lack of trying. Unfortunately, it's not my decision. You know, there's other people involved in that, uh, but her paternal grandparents were very supportive of her staying with us and they stepped into the court process at the end when this other person tried to, um, you know, tried to, wanted to put in a plan to adopt her. They were very supportive of her staying with us. So we are so thankful for that because um, without their support, I don't know if we would have ended up being able to adopt her. Um, But then sadly, after the adoption was finalized, there has been no contact, but they have our number and, um, you know, we're, we're absolutely open to that. And then our little guy right now, actually, we're building a relationship with um, the family that he's going to be going to. And we're really hopeful uh, that a relationship will be able to continue um, beyond once he leaves our home. But yeah, there's always that intention, but it doesn't always happen, unfortunately. So many emotions for all sides. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so complex. Um, Especially, I mean, you have so many people to navigate over the last, what you said, three years or so. Yeah, five years. So many, a lot of families, so many families and children (laughs) and your own and your family, your family unit. It's a lot to navigate. So how do you hold space for all that good and the hard, um, you know, through for yourself and for the, you know, your child who's adopted and the people who come in and out of your home, how do you uh, just honor all of what it is? So this is something I'm continually trying to educate myself on um, and prepare specifically for our daughter, prepare for the questions that will come in the future. I mean, she's only three now, so, you know, there's, there's not any questions coming our way yet, but uh, adoption is so nuanced and I really want to be respectful of all sides of her birth family. Um, I want her to know how loved she was by us and how much we fought for reunification. Um, We talk about adoption a lot, just, you know, we talk about her tummy mommy and we just try to normalize it. We have a lot of books about adoption. I never want her to be surprised. I want her to just grow up knowing that this is her story. Um, But I don't really know how I'm going to answer some of the hard questions because there's a lot of hard questions, uh, hard parts of her story that I'm going to have to answer. So yeah, I'm just continually trying to educate myself, pray, (laughs) ask God for wisdom and strength, um, you know, day by day. And as the questions come, because I know they will, um, it's hard to tell. Uh, it's going to be hard to tell her that um, there's no contact with her biological family and why. So yeah, it's just a lot of prayer and a lot of education and just trying to be the best adoptive mom I can. And I know I'm going to fail in many ways and, you know, I'm thankful God has grace for that, but just, I think it's so important as adoptive parents that you educate yourselves on all aspects, all sides of the triad and just um, see things from all angles because you know, she is the most important part of the triad. The adoptee is the most important part. So 
you know, how can I be the best adoptive mom? I'm just constantly trying to figure that out. So I can't say I've got it all figured out, but I'm certainly trying. Well, it sounds like you're doing an amazing job, but just trying to educate yourself and listen and learn and being willing to be molded and flexible and just hearing from other perspectives. That's really important. And that's the storytelling aspect and aspect of things and hearing other people's stories is what makes an impact. Um, a lot of impact we've seen. So um, shifting gears just a tad, can you share about your journey to foster care? Like what was that moment that you and your husband were like, all right, we're doing it now and kind of that initial part of getting started? Yeah. Uh, so we were actually, I approached him about having baby number three and he said, no, this now is the time that we're going to pursue adoption. Um, I kind of had thought I'd have one more biological child, but he said, you know, now is the time. So we, our youngest daughter was uh, a year and a half at the time and we knew it was a really long process to get started. So we just, you know, kind of jumped right into the training and it took about nine months of training and the home study process to get licensed. Um, sometimes it can be quicker, but, you know, just the way things work and when certain classes are offered, that sort of thing. It took us about nine months to go through the process. Um, and, you know, I've learned so much in the past five years. It's not something that is, you know, that comes up in normal conversations and, that's again, like I said earlier, why I started the blog because I was just craving the information and I just couldn't find it out there. Um, but I tell anybody now that foster care is the best thing that I've ever done with my life. And, you know, not only because it's rewarding and you're able to help kids, but just the way it's grown me made me a lot less selfish. There's no room for selfishness in foster care. Um, it's also been a really wonderful experience for my kids. You know, the empathy and compassion that they have is far beyond their years. They're, my biological children are seven and eight now. And just the way that they've grown and, you know, they get sad <laughs> when a child is leaving. They're like, okay, when can we get another one? You know, when can another one come into our family? And, you know, sometimes I wonder, am I hurting them by putting them through this grief over and over and over and over again? But then I just see their response and they're like, okay, when, when does the next baby get to come? Um, it's just, you know, we get to step into people's brokenness and because we're followers of Christ, you know, step into that and hopefully try and help along the way. And um, foster care is just, I, I just wish more people would get involved if the church, you know, stood up, stood up and just stepped into this need. There's hundreds of thousands of kids sitting in foster care and needing adoption. And I just really want to see the church step, step up for it. So like I said, I've learned a ton in over the past five years. Um, the process itself is pretty easy to get licensed working within the system, I would say is the more difficult part, but I'll save that answer for another question. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm sure that is really impactful for all of you guys. And I, I'm sure as a mom, I would wonder the same thing. Is this, is this, you know, harmful to the children you're parenting? But it sounds like a beautiful teaching, you know, lifestyle for your family. And like you said, teaching that compassion and serving you know, and loving as Jesus loves others and, you know, serving people um, to think beyond yourselves. So I think that is, that sounds like a, a beautiful um, just experience for you guys is with, just like with adoption and lots of hard things, but there's probably some beautiful moments in there too. And um, just growing together in those moments. So can you talk about what does that, what does that process look like for you guys when, when there is a child going back 
to their biological family? Do you have traditions? Do you um, just, what, what does that look like? Yeah, so this might be a little bit difficult for me to answer just because we're literally like our foster son's leaving in a week from today and he's been with us for over 400 days. So uh, like just last night, my girls were writing him notes, for example, and we haven't had a goodbye in a while because we had, our last foster child was our adopted daughter. So we had a lot of goodbyes up front. Um, so yes, we definitely have some traditions to kind of process all of the emotions. It's really hard to kind of hold back your own grief as the parent while you're helping your children through the grief as well. So for example, last night they're writing cards and after my one daughter, she just cries, you know, she feels things really hard right away. And then my other daughter, it takes her a while to kind of process things. And she wrote this card and it was just, I just couldn't stop crying after I read it because she said, I'm, you know, in the card, she's eight. And it said, I'm going to super duper miss you, but I also know you're the person he's going to live with is super duper nice. <laughs> um, and she drew a picture of them together and she's like, right now it's October 12th and you're walking around and you're just so cute. <laughs> it was just really sweet to see her perspective now that she's a little bit older um, and that they prepared these special cards and drew pictures for him that will go in a life book with him. We always prepare a life book for the child and, just try to give them as much information um, that they can have because he's not going to remember us. He's only one, for example. And then for our family, we always try to book a little getaway. A water park usually helps. Um, you know, the, that last pair of socks that you find in the dryer or taking down the crib if, you know, you're not taking a baby the next time. Those things are really hard when you're freshly grieving when the child first leaves. So we like to get away for a few days and just kind of reconnect as a core family. Um, and then depending on the placement, we sometimes take a bit of a longer break. Sometimes we take another placement the next day. It just depends um, on the case. One of our cases, for example, was really hard. And uh, we knew we needed a little break after that because there was a lot of aggression towards my daughters. And um, it was just a really hard placement on all of us. So yeah, depending on the, the child and the case and how long they were with us. And sometimes we have two foster children at a time. We haven't had that in a while. But yeah, we definitely have little traditions that we do to just kind of reconnect and pray and just uh, just rest a little. I, I don't think God ever wants us, obviously he wants us to serve, but I don't think he wants us to serve to the point of burnout where we're not serving people effectively. So I think it's really important that as foster parents, you take a rest and just kind of regroup and regather, regather yourselves for the next placement that's going to be coming into your home. Yeah, sitting down together and just kind of that reconnection of your your family unit as a whole is such an important piece and not growing weary um, is really important too. So um, I love what you shared as well about the life book. The life book, that is amazing that you guys do that. So many um, like foster youth who've graduated out of the system or things like that, that I've listened to and heard their stories. They've shared often about how they really wish that they had more, more pieces to their story or, or pictures even, or, um, simple crafts that they've done. Just, just anything that a, a typical child might have in a box that their parents put together for them, putting together as much as you can to send them off with and so they have those really important pieces. I love that you guys do that. Um, you also have some really amazing resources on your website. Um, I was scrolling through it the other day, um, like podcasts and 
gifts, digital downloads, so many things that I was seeing. I was like, oh, that's really good. That's really good too. I need to remember to share that. And um, how have you been able to connect with other families through your platform and help them find community? I'm sure that they crave like we all do in our own, our own spaces. Yeah, absolutely. So I saw a huge lack of resources. And I feel like in the past few years, even there are so many more like you, yourself. Um, but when I started, I just found there was a huge lack of resources, which is why I started it. And then from there, it was the community aspect really needed to be built. So I have a Facebook group with over a 1000 foster parents in it. Um, so that's really great, because nobody gets it. Um, as a foster parent, nobody gets the intricacies of that life unless you're a foster parent. It doesn't matter how close your friends are, how close you are to your family. Yes, they can help and support, but nobody truly understands that grief, right? Like sometimes, I just remember when our daughter, when we almost lost her after 15 months, after being told we were going to be able to adopt her, I felt like my child was being killed, but, and I would never see her again, but I knew she was you know, still in this world. And that's a really unique feeling and a lot of emotions. And I don't think... Um, you know, my average friends, they, they wouldn't understand that. So that's why I really started building this community because I saw such a lack in it. Um, and once I started educating myself on the statistics, I just tried to normalize it within, especially within the Christian community. Like I was saying earlier, I just wish more Christian families would rise up to adoption into foster care. And, you know, it's hard because we have to be so careful about what we share and we don't want to overshare anybody's stories. It's not our stories to share, but, you know, just trying to normalize it. And, you know, I just felt God calling me to give more, to not only help kids by physically having them in my home, but to help kids worldwide by being able to support and educate um, their, their caregivers, their foster parents, their adoptive parents. And I am by no means an expert, but I am a little bit of a knowledge junkie and I read all of the books and, you know, I think, um, being trauma informed is so important. And I just really advocate for that because I think a lot of people get into adoption and foster care without being trauma informed. And then there's so many issues that arise from that. So I really try to advocate for that through my blog um, and my YouTube, YouTube videos. So I love what you said um, about, you know, we all need our own spaces. So you hear in the adoption community all the time that listen to the birth parents, the adoptees, the adoptive, listen to other sides of the triad. And that is amazing. And that is well and good. And we all need to do that. But sometimes we just need to sit with the people who are on our side of the triad and be able to take a breath and, and share and hear and connect and just sit with people who get it from our side as well. So I think it's a really good balance to have those two, those two perspectives, making sure you're seeking out voices, educating, but also taking time to retreat a little bit and breathe and rejuvenate yourself with other people who um, are walking the same shoes that you do. Yeah, absolutely. It can be so easy to just get stuck in, you know, as an adoptive parent, as a foster parent in that role and not see things. I remember I went to, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Replanted Conference. Um, it's a, a conference put on, it's usually, it's run in Chicago normally. They did it virtually this year. But I remember listening to an adoption triad. So there was a um, birth mom, a son who was about, uh, I think he was 17 or 18 years old, and then his adoptive mom. And he shared with me, or he shared with the whole group, of course, that he had to take a break. Like his mom and his birth mom were very, very open throughout his whole, you know, his whole childhood. And when he got to about 15, he felt like, 
I just want to break. I, I just want to feel like a normal kid. I don't want to have a birth family and an adoptive family. And he actually wanted a break from his birth mom and their entire family, which was really hard for the birth family, of course. And then after a couple of years, that relationship was able to, you know, kind of be restored and they came back together and they're all very close again now. But I had never even thought of that. Like, you know, I think so so much as an adoptive parent, I think, oh, I want to push for openness and make sure my daughter knows her birth family. But, you know, maybe they will get to an age when they're teenagers and they, and they don't want that. They just want to be with their adoptive family at that point and, you know, not have the complications of two sides. So, you know, just hearing his perspective and just because you're an adoptee doesn't mean you have the same perspective, right? There's so many perspectives within the adoptee community. And, um, you know, I, I've gotten some things on my blog where, you know, certain hashtags I use are offensive to adoptees or things like that. And then other adoptees say they're great, right? So it's, I'm always trying to navigate the best way um, to speak and to say things and just to be respectful of all sides of the triad. And knowing that even within each individual side of the triad, there are so many varied opinions. So we can definitely relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely understand that from our, our sides and in all that we do as well. Um, what are some other in, unusual or challenging moments that you didn't expect with adoption and foster care, which can also <laughs> be included with the social media world of things yes. that I didn't know to expect. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple unusual things. I, our first foster placement, I was going through the Walmart checkout and his grandmother was the cashier. So that was a really unusual experience. I've had a couple of those. Um, and then also when my daughter Rosie was born, she was in the NICU for a while and the people beside us in the, in the next uh, little unit over was actually one of the birth moms of one of the children I'd cared for, uh, you know, a year or so ago. So we were in the NICU at the same time with her. She was with her second child and she was doing really well. So it's just, you know, a couple unusual things like that you don't expect because through foster care and adopt, like in adoption, our family unit has grown. So a lot of these families I view as part of our families, right? Especially when we still have connection there. I'm like an aunt and uncle to their kids and so that part, I, I guess I find a little bit unusual. I just didn't really know to expect that. Again, the social media stuff. Um, but challenging part, I think the cha most challenging part is working within a system that's so broken. Uh, it's certainly only for the kids that so many foster parents stay because not many make it past year one, year two. It's very hard to work within the broken system when you, you know, they're supposed to be doing what's in the best interest, interest of the child. But sadly, in five years of doing this, I've seen the system fail kids over and over and over again. Um, so that is really, I would say the most challenging part to keep going and knowing you're, you know, when you've taken in another child, you're signing up for a new group of caseworkers and a new judge and you don't know what's going to happen. So that would definitely be the most challenging part for me. Yeah, for sure. I know there's a lot of brokenness in our system in the U S as well. And it's hard, it's hard. It's sad. It's, um, devastating and, and a lot of foster families don't make it, but the ones who do, um, I know that they've stuck around because of the kiddos, because otherwise <laughs> with the system, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been good for them to stick around. So what advice would you give a couple who is um, newly deciding to adopt or to start foster care? What are some like three or four tips that you would give them? Uh, I would say do it, <laughs> jump all in. There's a lot of fears that arise. And I think, um, especially for Christians, you know, the enemy puts a lot of fears in our hearts that we would get to a chest. It would be too hard emotionally. Um, there's all sorts of fears that the enemy will lay on our heart because he doesn't want to see um, Christians stepping up and standing in for these kids when they need it. 
so I would say do it, jump all in. Like I said earlier, it's the best thing I've ever done with my life. Um, but specifically, gather a support network. It is vital that you have a support network of people that understand what you're going through. And get TBRI, uh, trauma-based relational intervention. I think that's a fabulous resource. Um, trauma parenting training, that is so key. So those two, you know, specific trainings, read all the books, do all of the training that you can, go to conferences, get educated, because if you want to be successful in this long term, uh, that education piece is key. So yeah, don't be scared, but definitely gather your troops, <laughs> gather your support network and get educated. Do you have any specific books that people should reference? Do you have any like favorites or are there a lot out there that you just think people should go and see what's best for them? There's a, yeah, there's a couple that I recommend to everybody. The Connected Child, uh, which is written by Karen Purvis, who is um, the founder of TBRI training. And then recently a brand new one came out called The Connected Parent, um, which was written, but Karen Purvis unfortunately has passed from this world, but she was working on this book with an adoptive parent, um, Lisa Quayle, and her blog is One Thankful Mom, and she's adopted quite a few children and has quite the story. Um, so they wrote this book together, and it's just fabulous because a lot of the times we can get educated about trauma parenting, but often we have our own trauma in our past that we haven't necessarily dealt with that makes it hard to parent our children. So we, so dealing with that. So the connected child and the connected parent, those two books for sure. Um, and the whole brain child is really a phenomenal book as well. Um, so I would say, I mean, I could, I have a whole list on my blog, but I would say those are the top three that I recommend to everybody. Well, we will make sure to point them to your blog. I've heard of the connected child and the connected parent, but I hadn't heard of the whole brain child. So I need to take a peek at that personally. <laughs> I would love to read it. Uh, thank you so much, Kate, for joining us and sharing your story. Um, can you share where listeners can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So my blog is lovemotherblog.com and I have a YouTube channel, everything you can access pretty much from the blog. So I'll leave it there. And then Instagram is uh, lovemother.co is my Instagram handle there. But yeah, I have, I would say I'm most active on YouTube. I have a playlist upon playlist of foster care and adoptive information. Um, and that's usually how most people find me. So yeah, that would be a good place to start. I know that others will be encouraged by hearing all this as well. And um, I can't wait to check out your YouTube channel and your Instagram and get to know you even more and see your beautiful family. So we know that every journey is different and you're an example of that. And all of us, you know, Mallory and I are example of that too. And just thank you for sharing that with us and we'll see you on Instagram. Thank you so much ladies for having me be a part of the show. I really love what you guys are doing with Woven Together and I'm just, you know, really fortunate for the, able, for the ability to speak to you guys this evening. So thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you. If you want to find out more about Woven Together, follow us on Instagram at Woven Together for Life. We drop a new episode every Tuesday. We will chat with you next week.